today we are joined by a very special guest, Michelle Hyde, who is the president and founder of the Hyde Group. Heads in the Cloud, with your hosts, David Portnowitz, John Roth, and Frederick Weiss. Welcome to today's episode of Heads in the Cloud. I'm David Portnowitz. And I'm John Roth. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Michelle Hyde, who is the president and founder of the Hyde Group. Michelle, welcome to the pod. Great to be here. Thank you for having so me. So glad to have you. And you're in, uh, you're on the West Coast, Seattle. So you got up rather early this morning for us. Well, you know what? Good things. Good things to wait for. Yeah, there we're like go. on opposite sides of the world here. Like we're in Florida, we're in like Southwest Florida, and you're in the Northwest United States. We couldn't be further away, I don't think, if, in North America wise. Yeah. yeah, I should I should come down and visit you guys. You should. It's 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 nice this time of the year. So uh, yeah, Frederick, why don't you just get that arranged? Or get, <laughs> get, get Michelle. Let's get her a plane ticket down to Sarasota. So Michelle. Well, talk to us, tell us a little bit about your background and tell us about the Hyde Group, what, what you know, who, sort of who, what, where, what do you guys do and, and uh, give us a little bit of context on, on your background and where you've come from. Absolutely. So uh, a long and illustrious career in uh, telecommunications, data communications, now uh, the data centers, and then now really focusing on that security angle uh, with clientele today. Um, but had worked for several different uh, CLECs back in the day and then cut out uh, probably 17 years ago on the independent channel side um, as an agent and working for an agency and then have been on my own under the brand of Hyde Group now for 12 years since 2010. You know, what are typical customers of the Hyde Group? Who are you looking for? Who are you working with? You know, I don't, I don't know if you can't give any specific names, that's fine. But like, you know, what does a typical customer look like and what are you guys, what, what are you doing for them? So our focus is definitely mid-enterprise, um, targeting those companies uh, that are going through massive change. They're, they're, they've cobbled together, they've grown and eked along, and now they need to kind of rip and replace. They need to actually take a look at the transformational element uh, to get them to where they need to be over the next five years. So we like to be in the midst of that change. Um, most of our customers are headquartered in the Pacific region um, on the West Coast or Pacific Northwest, but they have global presence. So that is a common denominator for a lot of our clients. Um, certainly out here in Seattle, we have a, a huge Asia Pac poll. Um, so we see a lot of organizations that have um, assets over uh, in Asia Pac and certainly in Europe as they're launching and expanding globally. Um, most of our headquarters or most of our companies uh, that we target are also um, probably in the 100 million to six, 700 million in annual revenues. Um, and they, they have amazing staff, but as you may know, um, we are seeing such a movement in staffing right now that it's tough to keep a hold of those staff. And so they yeah. do that adjunct uh, team member on, uh, to them to help either do requirements, assessments, uh, RFP development, um, vetting and vendors research and search for them. So we'll implement that. But we also do a time and materials and scope of work 
uh, for you know engagements as well. So we'll do a lot of fact finding missions, a lot of assessments, under uh, understatement of work. Who are some of your competitors, Michelle? <laughs> Well, we certainly have the, the big guys, right? I mean, the, the big organizations like a PCW um, and, uh, and those companies that are really targeting um, that transformational element. But uh, we have a lot of organizations that we sub to that are also big players, either big players in the West, um, big players out of Seattle um, that actually have um, a need. They're also uh, looking for that tight relationship that we own the client. And so they're like, Hey, how about we just bring you in as a contractor on the engagement? So they'll tackle, you know, two thirds of it, three quarters of it. And then I'll get the remainder of that, um, because of the client relationship. So I sit on that, um, on that team as well. So it can, it can work very, uh, dynamically for sure. Yeah. I, I have a, I was reading your bio and I, uh, tell me more about cloud girls. That just interests me of like, uh, I know you're, you're involved with that. So tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. So I've been sitting on the board now for, gosh, it's, it's gotta be, I'm going to say like 11 years. Um, we've been in, in operation for about 12 or 13, uh, but it is a collection of uh, senior, um, senior management, women in senior management in the cloud computing space that has assembled. We've got about 50 members at this point. Um, and nine members on the board. And we really service um, you know, two functions. One, education, uh, where we're educating our members on technologies that are emerging. And so once a month we meet and we have an educational track. For a while we were um, having members sign up, do deep dive and diligence on, on a topic that they had no knowledge on and then they would present it back to the team and i'll tell you learn that's the, that's a great way to learn it's like you know like what we did in college i guess to some degree uh and then our second vein is definitely a philanthropic one where we uh raise money and we mentor um girls in high school and in college um and we raise money for college money so that they they've got it for books or for uh, education so in the STEM and STEAM environments. So it's, it's really, it's a point of pride for sure. Um, because I was, I was at the, although I wasn't the founding member, I was sitting at the table when, the, when it was founded. <laughs> That's awesome. That must be very rewarding to do something like that because to see the, you know, the, the, our future, you know, the future moving forward and, and working with those people and getting them into the, the sector that you're in and it must be, I mean, fills your heart when you do that, right? Yeah. And there's just not enough of me. You hear a lot of discussion around um, women in senior leadership and, and do they have the chops for it? Um, I think that we find ourselves building those chops and, and aligning. And these, these women that are in this association have you know, 49 other women that are around them to cheer them on, to help deal with whatever it might be to help research new opportunities and leads for them. Uh, so it's very dynamic. <clears throat> and you wouldn't expect that, you know, 50 women in senior leadership, they're all alpha females. However, um, we get along famously and, and it is an invite only. And so we know that the, the members who understand the dynamics of the association, 
are inviting other women that have that same philosophy that, that they're, they're kind of cool, they're fun, they're drivers, they're, um, they're, they've got amazing depth and breadth uh, to, their, to their knowledge. So um, it's, it's, it is very rewarding for sure. That, that's awesome to hear. David's, David is my mentor. David is uh, everything <laughs> I know. And uh, you know, I know I feel his heart with joy just to be able to see what I've accomplished over my life. He's see much you. older than he than he appears. So uh, <laughs> thank you, David, for that because it does. It's just, you know, you've it's just my receding hairline. <laughs> no, and and looking at the the members of your group, you know, we um, there are two that kind of stick out that we've been so close with it, from Sangoma. Heather Margulis and Janet Shines have just been two women that we have worked very closely with over the last couple of years. Um, and we continue to work with both of them. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's a, it's an amazing group. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, how did you guys keep it up during the pandemic? You know, I know you guys would meet at events previously and, and what was that like during the pandemic and how did you, how did you really, you know, keep the momentum there and, and how did you shift your approach with, with, with the, with the group during the pandemic? Well, <clears throat> I think that we, we grew closer. We changed our model a little bit. Um, since we weren't meeting in person, we changed obviously our, like our membership costs, for instance, yeah. uh, because we're just doing online work, um, but we still met every month. And because we have a national um, poll, we were always meeting by Zoom calls and presentations were done or um, you know, TED Talks that we did or books that we read and all that good stuff. We would meet by Zoom, so it was really easy to transition uh, to that to that effect. But I think a lot of people had Zoom fatigue to some yeah, as yeah, well yeah. for the last couple of years. Um, so we we ended up um, kind of staying the course in having these education tracks, and um, we had our big annual party by way of we had a few different guest speakers. We had a panel. We had a wine tasting, virtual wine tasting, where we sent out flights to. Nice. That was uh, in in the association, so they got an opportunity to kind of play along um, with that. So we had a, a virtual event, and it was well executed there as well. But um, you know, we didn't have to shift much when when it came to Cloud Girls because we had that virtual element uh, the entire time. That's great. And did you, were you able to reconvene in 2021 and, and meet in person? So this year, um, yes, we had an in-person event in San Diego. It's our annual retreat. It happens in October. Um, and we also got an opportunity to see each other um, in the Channel Partners event in Vegas. So That's that great. was nice. So I'll, I'll be had 12 or 15 of us went for, for dinner together and uh, got to see each other. I didn't end up going to the retreat. Um, but, um, that's, yeah, I was, yeah. I was blessed with COVID. So, um, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> yes. Thankfully, amen. It was a very mild case, but, um, nonetheless, I did not attend and, uh, but I heard it was excellent and dynamic in San Diego, right on like the cliffs of the oh, beautiful. Yeah. Spectacular photos. Oh. So let's go back. I want to go back to the Hyde group because um, yeah. I have a couple of questions there. So you mentioned that you work with a lot of companies that are undergoing transformation and, and, and undergoing challenges maybe is, is, is you know, because I think your, your focus is really on security and disaster recovery and business continuity. Is that correct? Correct. So yeah. when a customer that's, of you know, let's say a couple hundred million dollars comes to you and is looking for your help, you know, 
what are you coming in as and providing them with like tactical things they can do to 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 increase you know are they coming to you saying we had a security breach what do we do next or like what are what are what are they coming to you what are their challenges are coming to you with yeah that that's a tough one um having you know if you have limited visibility into the organization and they're coming to you with uh in crisis like that. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, we, I think that our starting point really is opening up that discussion, understanding where their posture is today uh, with security, what they know, what they don't know, what kind of um, talent they have in house, um, how they're tackling that today, and creating uh, an open dialogue on this because security is a walk, uh, a crawl, walk, run. Uh, yeah. but you definitely have to walk before that run happens. Uh, and so really get digging into that assessment piece uh, and understanding exactly where they're at today and, um, and tackling some of those low hanging fruit, right? Education is for all intents and purposes, it's really fairly free. I mean, just being able to educate the, the personnel um, in, a, in a smaller organization, like 100, 200 million in annual revenues. Um, and so, so those are some good starting points. There's some low hanging fruit that can be actually tackled. Like, uh, you know, maybe turn off your, your devices at night, um, <laughs> make sure that you have a policy around those devices. What happens when they leave their desk or what is the policy of um, work from home? So everybody should be educated on the acceptable use policies and how to handle their devices and what to do in the event of and uh, what to look for with emails that could look suspicious. And if it sounds like, you know, the president of the company suddenly wants $200,000 wired to them, like now, um, <laughs> say, did you just send me an email asking for that? Uh, just to validate and verify. Um, and so, and not by email, by the way, because people yes. are just watching and sniffing and observing this kind of thing uh, if in the in the event of a breach. So um, it, it's a policy where we really engage in one, a dialogue, two, an assessment, uh, three, correction to the findings that we find in that assessment. Uh, and then once we, you know, once once we feel that we have enough in place, we'll run a pen test against that. Uh, so it's it's not worth running a pen test, you know, on a house that has doors and windows open knowingly. So close those things up, uh, get it as secure as you have an understanding of, and then let's test against it. I have so many. I have so many questions. <laughs> so I, I do too. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start with the educational piece. You know, it seems like a lot of this stuff is 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 like you, like you're, you're having to teach a lot of basics, like sort of email basics or like security basics, but you know, how many, I guess this is a dumb question, but I mean, like, I feel like at this point, most people should have an idea of like, what is, what is, what a phishing email looks like, or what, you know, what someone looks like, but I guess you, you're shaking your head. No, for our, for our uh, listeners here, but no, I mean, like, is it, is, is that sort of the root cause of a lot of these issues? Does it, does it start there with like phishing and spam and, and then something happens where it becomes a, you know, you're dealing with um, someone whose, whose desktop has been overtaken or I, I, I'm trying to like, where, 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 where do these issues start? Yes. Well, that, that is the easiest way because, because employees are not educated um, because they don't have awareness around that. It's not their fault. Um, they, they don't expect bad guys to be looming um, constantly. 
uh, and pervasively in their environment. So uh, it, it does take education. And um, but where to start is is definitely that education. Um, and fishing is a big thing. It's easy. It's cheap. It's yeah. low paying fruit for the hacker to be able to send a malicious um, email that looks like it's FedEx tracking number. Yes, that's a great example. I, I, I've gotten those. Yes, it's very tricky. Don't click on those. <laughs> that's my word of wisdom for the day. Don't click on it. Um, and if it looks suspicious, if it looks like the FedEx, you know, isn't quite purple and orange enough. Yeah. Uh, or if it looks like the logos in the other corner or something like this. Um, it's worth in doing a, a second look at it, a third look and just saying, this looks kind of also the email handle. Oftentimes it might say something like, uh, you know, Samson at FedEx. Right. Uh, right. So it's some address that like, doesn't really make sense to come from like a tracking, you know, it's not like it's yeah. orders at FedEx.com or something like that. Or, track, exactly. you know, yeah. Yeah. one of the best FedEx. things to do is actually take that, uh, take that and send it right to your IT group and, come back and say don't click on it i i, I want to give you an example of what happened to me uh it was monday monday night I, I work remote and uh it was time to change passwords on my computer so i changed it and of course uh you can't use a previous password so i had to create a new one and um by the next morning this is just showing you how how old i am i could not remember it so i locked myself <laughs> out again uh, I thank goodness I was driving over to our corporate office that next morning. So, but my whole morning was off because I couldn't get in, check my email and my phone, obviously, but I, you know, there's things that I do in a routine. So now we're going to eventually going to 15 character uh, that'll be changed every, I think 90 days, which that'll yeah. be just great for me. I'm going to need a post-it note and um, stick it. And, you know, in my remote office, because uh, I don't think my wife's going to break into my computer. And uh, yeah, Christmas is coming. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah that's true. Amazon. You know, I actually, have, so like, it's a great question. It's a great sort of topic, John, because now with Google, and I'm sure, Michelle, you probably recommend, you know, using something like where Google creates the password for you, that's like a random collection of letters and numbers and then stores it, you know, I was so wary of that because I'm like, oh, I'm going to forget. I'm never going to. But then they made it so easy to. Obviously, if your account isn't secure, that's an issue. An, an issue but, but, but once you secure your account with you know, two-factor authentication or whatever the case is, you know, they make it easy for you to create passwords now that are really not hackable. I mean, like they're just random letters and numbers that I don't even know half my passwords anymore. Well, and yeah, having a password handler uh, like a LastPass is a great start. Um, but it also just, I mean, I I'm guilty of this where I end up repeating the passwords like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. Passwords resemble my, you know, my counting passwords, things like yeah. this where it's, it's important to um, have that diversity and those, they can auto-generate uh, mm -hmm. and, and occasionally change those or you can prompt them to change them quarterly or monthly if you're handling them yourselves, especially in your personal environment. So- yeah, you know, Our world, there's so many different programs we need to go into our CRM, uh, our quoting tools, and, and they're all, you know, hopefully right now we have single sign-on. Thank goodness for that. For there were years ago that we did not have that. And you had to have different passwords for each of them. And it was just, it, it, yes. it, it was 
just chaotic, try to remember them all of them. Wow. There was something that I was reading in some notes here, and I want to just ask you about um, the insurance conversation. Hmm. Well, tell yeah. me a little bit about that. It, this is um, this has become quite, um, I guess, topical in the last year for sure. Um, as we've seen so much in the way of security breaches happening, um, published and non-published. I mean, it is happening lightning speed, not only with the Fortune 1000 companies that we all know and love and buy from every day, but also those companies that we haven't heard of that are in that space of 200 million and all of a sudden they don't have the correct security posture. So they're being uh, kind of, you know, breached and, and violated uh, to the point where, um, you know, these companies are seeking out insurance and, and talking to their insurance provider about cyber insurance. And, you know, two years ago, cyber insurance was like, yeah, here, have it, have it, have it, everybody have it. There was very few hurdles. You had to say, do you have an IT team? Check. <laughs> do, you, do you have a firewall? Check. I mean, those things are um, super lightweight and really don't indicate what the true security posture is within the body of an enterprise. And so insurance companies were just kind of handing this out like candy in terms of security um, or cybersecurity insurance. And they got hammered. These insurance companies got hammered when it came to payouts. Um, and the best time to, to replicate a breach is right after a breach. So some of these um, enterprise organizations were being hit, um, paying, you know, let's just say, you know, a million dollar ransom and then being hit again six months later because they hadn't patched and hadn't found the real um, entry points uh, that these hackers were getting in or they were trying a different trying a different shoe on for size. And so uh, they'd see these back to back breaches and these insurance companies like, well, we have to cancel. We got we got to cancel you in terms of cybersecurity because you're, you've taken us twice and, and you've only paid for six months worth of policy. Um, and so the insurance companies are getting very, very wise to understanding some of those hurdles that must be met. Multi-factor authentication, um, audits, um, compliance, and, and really digging into enterprise environments now and doing their due diligence to assure that those postures have changed, that they are shored up and that insurance companies will say, okay, now that you've hurdled all of the, the important points, we will insure you. Um, and so there, that is a very, very topical um, uh, conversation with both clients and insurance companies, which I work with to shore that language up. And if their clientele does not meet or hurdle those requirements, uh, they point them over to us to shore up that posture so that they do meet that requirement. So you've but, got cost, you've got customers coming to you saying, look, we're trying to get cyber insurance, cyber cybersecurity insurance, and we're getting declined, or we're, our insurance company is pushing back, or we don't even know where to start. Help us with that. Yes. Oh, that's and that, yeah. And to further that point, we're starting to also see MSSPs uh, or you know the, the managed uh, security service providers. Yeah. And also um, security companies that have a peer play in security adding the insurance piece and working with underwriters, working with mm. uh, brokers 
on this endeavor. So they say, listen, we've employed all of our security services and therefore they become insurable because wow. all these are in yeah, place. Yeah. So they're bundling, in effect, the security services with a policy. And so they can get that through the, their MSSP sometimes and they can get it through their security provider and they can get it through their insurance company. So they can, I won't say double dip because, you know, one one begets the other. Right, right. Uh, it's, it's completely above board, <laughs> I should say. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, they, they, they have multiple places they can go to get the insurance. And now the MSSPs are seeing it as an opportunity to just to resell that or to help the customers with that. Is that, you know, are they seeing it as an additional line item on their, on their, on their books? Um, some are moving in that direction. It depends on how comprehensive the MSSP suite of offerings is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, if you're just offering an MDR or uh, XDR type solution, um, it, it doesn't know there's, there's gotta be a longer tail. They have to have that for professional services and remediation. Yeah. Each of those ends, um, to the ongoing, uh, watch, you know, watcher of the. Yeah. It's kind of like with, uh, you know, insurance companies, they, they typically, they're going to make a profit because, uh, in, you know, just typical insurance company for life insurance with the actuaries, they know when people are going to, to pass on, so to speak. That's yeah. why their rates and, and they make money, but they've been doing that for, you know, a hundred years, yeah. uh, you know, building those out. But this is such a new venture that it's like, you know, where, where are our risks? And, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine that, uh, you know, having to pay out and then, but uh, I guess that's becoming something that they're really looking at and they got to have these things. So it's makes them secure. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, small price to pay for a ransomware for a company at the other side, the insurance company wants to make, they're going to make their money on it. They have to. So it's probably just such an emerging uh, industry. I think it would be, I, I think I'd be kind of fearful to be the uh, CFO of one of those insurance companies going, well, what's going to happen today? Who's going, to, <laughs> who's going to get hit? You know, it's not, it's not the uh, when it's the if. So uh well, you think about those um, actuary, uh, actuarial tables uh, that are just now kind of being amassed in the last two years, three years, right. five years. I mean, I don't even think it was around five years ago. I mean, this, we didn't hear the conversation around cyber security um, insurance back then. And so we've, you know, insurance companies are like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll give insurance policies against it. And then all of a sudden they just lost their shirts in that. And they're like, yeah. out, well, we need to get, some hurdles here. <laughs> Do we are we asking the right question of our insured to assure that we're absolutely what they need to hurdle? That, that's I, a I, very interesting yeah. presentation. One other thing that was sort of that you said you mentioned that kind of stuck out to me was at the end of these assessments, and when you come into a, a customer, you do a test at the end. You called it, I think you said a pen test. Is that what you said? Penetration test. Yep. Yeah. So talk to them a little bit about. I'm so curious as to what what goes into that and you know, if they fail the, the penetration to, well, one, I guess, do they know you're going to do it or when you're going to do it? Um, and then two, like, if they fail, do you like, is it, do you sort of start over or you just sort of like try to shore up the areas where maybe they, they had holes or uh, that's, that's, uh, it sounds, it sounds like a very interesting or a very cool kind of uh, end just end to the whole process. Yeah. Well, there's a lot that goes into 
you know, stepping back into the pre-pen test. So one, that assessment is absolutely a key, a key element. We get customers, especially now that it's year end or the last quarter of the year saying, we need a pen test because we've got to check a box. Our insurance, you know, requires this or our team, our board requires this or, um, you know. Sox compliance, right? Like yeah, or some sort of compliance. Yeah, we've, yeah, got to, yeah. we've got to hurdle this. So can we do a pen test? It's like, have you done an assessment on the environment? If you haven't, it's, you know, we already know that all the windows and doors are unlocked on the first floor. So um, can we just make sure that those are locked down and, you know, the, the shades are pulled and the alarm is set. Uh, so we go through and do that assessment piece and then start that pen test. So I kind of think of the pen test as the third step because assessment, clean up those gaps and then run the pen test, uh, the penetration test on that. And once we do that, hopefully 85% of what we anticipated needing to be corrected has been corrected. Now we just have to refine that last 15% for the time being, right? you know, because this is always a moving target as organizations open new offices, as they expand to the EU, as they uh, move into the cloud, those postures change on a constant basis. Um, as a refresh of hardware goes through, everything needs to be assessed on a continual basis. Uh, pen test is great, but again, that assessment, close those gaps and then run the pen test. Uh, but the pen test is kind of a fun thing. Uh, it, it doesn't take altogether that long. It runs for a couple of weeks. Um, oftentimes in the process, uh, my pen testers will sit down, um, run some analysis against the network, try to, I mean, I ha hate to say it, but they are white hats. Um, yeah. they, they've been black hats turned white hats, but <laughs> uh, meaning that they're the good guys or the good guy hackers. Um, and there's some amazing talent and there's some amazing stories that can keep you up at night. Let me just say that from what I've heard. Um, and so from after that pen test, there's also kind of a concurrency with um, a tabletop exercise. I don't know if your listeners have familiarized themselves with that, but that is actually kind of going through the motions. Like what happened yeah. when uh, the guy who comes in to refill the Coke machine, does he have a jump drive? And is he shoving that into, wow. you know? computer that's um, somebody left for uh for the restroom you know and uh is able to download um or put on a client uh, very quickly that they would be able to assess that so do you have um you know the, this um social engineering um where they're coming in and they're you know pretending to be other people so this is kind of a live fire if you will um pen test but it's considered a tabletop exercise where you're actually going in and, and trialing to see if your employees are educated and if they have awareness um, is the front door locked are they holding it for somebody that they don't know who's walking in and why did they just go into the conference room and and what are they doing with our network? <laughs> are they plugging their own laptop into our network? Things like this that can uh, really scare and also alert people to some of these best practices that, you know, we're, we're kind people, right? Like, hey, no, yeah. I'll hold the security door for you. Um, not, it's not a good policy, <laughs> just be told. Yeah, no, it's, it, sounds, it sounds almost like a military exercise. You know, I've heard this done in like a, like a military sense where they play out you know, they take two teams 
And they, you know, they say, okay, we're going to be this country, you're going to be this country. And they kind of play out the scenario of if, if we do this, how do you retaliate? And they kind of go, so it sounds almost like that kind of, you know, almost like a military approach to that. Yeah, that, that social exercise. Um, they do that on the phone too, like, hi, I'd like to, um, you know what, I lost the routing number. And so, somebody, uh, you know, calling up oh. and being just pleasant as punch. And, and, uh, and acquiring information. Oh, gosh, I thought that your president was on vacation this week. Saw it on Facebook. We're friends there. And oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, no, he's going to be back on Sunday. You know, things like this, that, that information gets revealed inadvertently and just commonly. Uh, and so those things can be um, trained. Education comes in. <laughs> in no, that, that's super cool. I mean, this has been a... This has been a um, Super enlightening conversation. I'm so glad we had a chance Absolutely. to meet and talk this morning. Yeah. I do have a question for you. You have a cat in the background. What is that? Is, is what, what is your cat's name? Cat's name is Steeler. Okay. Okay. Steeler. Is that is, is that Pittsburgh related or is no. that no? Uh, so he was one of eleven in his litter, and they named all the cats after beers. So there was like Rainier and Fat Tire. And- ah. <laughs> Um, he was, um, steel, steelhead logger was his name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's a little bit, a little bit lengthy for a cat. Yeah. Yeah. Steelhead logger. It'd be a hard thing to yell out. Hey. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's not a nice cat. We, uh, we always, um, recommend that people don't pet him because he's, um, he's kind of mean. Oh, he's not a oh. nice cat. I thought you said <laughs> a nice cat. Okay. Okay. He's not a nice cat. I like that. There's a, uh, the, you know, a look. I, I like that, you know, it's honest, you know, come in, don't touch the cat. <laughs> don't do it. And the people's like, he's so cute. I just want to pet him. Like, no. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm sending you to well, the funeral just to get. I, I heard something else about, about you. Uh, your, your karma must be very good because <laughs> I hear that when you, in, you write raffles and things like that, you pretty much win every time or a high percentage of the time. And I got to tell you, I don't win any of that stuff. <laughs> David, how about you? Have you ever won anything? No Portnowitz has ever won a raffle. It's a, it's a family, you know, that's, family but I, I did, I did, you know, John, you won the raffle of just uh, being a great human, John, that's, that's the, the well, raffle of life. Okay. Well, I'll thank you for that. That, that means something <laughs> to me. Yeah, so, I, something else I, I can put on my shelf. Good. Yeah, one one thought on that. I just say hashtag winning. Like I, I feel like I'm always winning, right? I um, I've taken home a few prizes just in the last, <laughs> last every, almost every raffle. So I'm super. Have you excited. have you ever got a duplicates where you've got multiple prizes that are exactly the same? Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm going to take my business card out of the raffle here. Okay, but um, yes, absolutely. And I get an opportunity to give those to clients. You know. Just yeah. As a, that's awesome that's know, awesome yeah john do you have one last question for michelle Any, anything i do that, john and, likes uh, to ask a random question at the end we have no I idea where it's going to go okay you ready yep okay now how about a drum roll um we're gonna that drum roll here we go if you could only choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life what would it be um what if there what if it's a song that kind of bleeds right into another song so it's kind of two songs but it doesn't ever take a break can i can i choose that yes you can choose that absolutely yeah absolutely. well 
I think it might be a Led Zeppelin song. Okay, I like this. I think it might be off of Physical Graffiti. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, maybe, you know, one of the the first songs on the album, which is In the Light. I really like that song. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's a great album. Maybe obscure for some, but if you're old like me, grew up in the 70s and 80s, um, then yeah. I love that. That's good. Well, that's a that was a tough question. Uh, just so you took it in at your early time zone to be able to answer that. I'm just I'm impressed by that in general. Just uh, I'll give you that. That's a great album. That's a that's a yeah, fantastic album. fantastic album. Yeah, and I would say I would take that album if I were you know stranded somewhere. That would be that would be a good one. Okay. It's a long album. It's like a double album. So. Yes, yeah, I think it's got multiple sides, and I think in the, I think they released. Um, some bonus tracks on that recently, like, or maybe in the last five years, I can't remember. There was something about that album. It's a, it's a, it's a long one. Yeah. It was a good well, that's, awesome. that's awesome. Thanks for uh, playing our uh, last question of the day that kind of, uh, <laughs> not, not really to stump you, but uh, they're usually pretty bizarre. So uh, you handled that quite well. Thank you. That, that was a good one, John. Well, Michelle, it has been terrific getting a chance to speak with you. Um, and if people want to find out more about the high group, where do they go? Oh, they can go to hydegrouponline.com and they can certainly find me on LinkedIn and also Twitter feed at Hyde Northwest, which is H-Y-D-E-N-W. Oh, very cool. Well, Perfect. thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. Thanks for getting up bright and early. Yeah. Hopefully you can get a cup of coffee now and, uh, and go relax. It's the rest of your day, but it, it's been terrific speaking with you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and be careful. Don't pet Steeler. Uh, (laughs) Careful of the cat. Okay. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks so much. And for John Roth, I'm David Portnowitz and we will see you or or we will, we will not see you, but we will, you can hear us next time. on Heads and Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye now. 